listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. I know, I know, the episode is dropping a little bit late. It's on uh, Sunday today and not on Friday. The only reason for that was uh, there was a back-to-back game, uh, so we were watching that. And then after that, uh, you know, with scheduling and things like that, it just didn't work to put the episode out on Friday. And I didn't want to put something out that was rushed because that wouldn't have been content or quality content. So um, I wanted to make sure I dropped uh, the episode, but on Sunday today. So I appreciate you guys uh, checking in on me, DMing me, and asking about it. Uh, really appreciate the love and support. And uh, yeah, man, thanks. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Last few games have been extremely tough. We lost to the Timberwolves, 140 to 134. Lost to the Heat, 120 to 127. And then lost to the lowly Magic, 111 to 106. It seems every time this team makes a run in a winning way, they then repeat that with a run in a losing way. It's either they're losing or they're winning, and there's no in-between. It's been this way all season. Um, you know, when they had the eight-game winning streak, and then they went on like a five- or six-game losing streak, you know? Then, you know, had a nearly uh, nine-game winning streak, right? And then dropped that and started losing again as well, too. So um, right now, we're in the final stretch of games. I think they have seven games left. Knicks take on the Rockets uh, on Monday. The Heat again on Wednesday. Cavs uh, this coming Friday. We got the Wizards on Sunday. Pacers uh, two weeks from now on that Wednesday. Uh, Pelicans on April 7th. And then we end the season with the Pacers game on April 9th. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now in terms of games left. You heard what I said in terms of Cavs and Heat. That really is the biggest punch that we're going to take during these final games. And we have to know that and understand that. These games are crucial. The Knicks haven't sewn up shit. Haven't won anything. All right? They haven't clinched a playoff seed. They haven't clinched the fifth seed. Until they clinch a seat, I don't want to see anyone talking about resting players. That's all I've been hearing on Nick's Twitter recently. Why don't we rest the players? Maybe we should rest the players. Ah, give JB the night off and let him rest. We can't do that. We can't afford to allow our players to rest. We can't. We don't have anything locked in. Right now, we're fighting for playoff seating. Matchups matter. All right? Let's go to the standings real quick and check out what we're going to be looking at for playoffs, right? I'll just go through one through eight for now. All right? Got the Bucks at one, Celtics at two, Sixers at three, Cavs at four, Knicks at five, Nets at six, and Heat at seven. Now, and then the Hawks at eight, excuse me. So there you go. That's your top eight, right? And obviously, if you want to go to a little bit further, Raptors are nine and Bulls are 10th, right? That's your more or less the entire playoff race and play-in race, right? If you look at the top six teams, which is the playoffs or the playoff locked-in uh, teams, you have the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, Knicks, and Nets. 
Now listen to the games that we are back of the Cavs and how many games the Heat and Nets are back of us. The Heat are a half a game behind the Nets who won uh, yesterday. The Knicks are a game and a half in front of the Nets. They're two games in front of the Heat. Do you see what I'm talking about? If we lose a couple games, they win a couple games, this entire thing gets thrown off. We could go from playoff to play in like that. We need to realize this as a franchise and make sure that we're locking into each one of these games because they're crucial. If we slip and drop a game, it could mean the doomsday for this Knicks team. They could find themselves in the play-in. They could find themselves at the sixth seed facing a monster Joel Embiid and Harden combo in the first round against the Sixers. And if the Boston Celtics lose a little bit more and they drop the third, well, you can call it an L all day because the team that matches up the best against the Knicks, regardless of what you want to tell me in regular season, is the Celtics. Why? Because they can shoot the three at a very efficient clip and they can put shooters around Tatum, who is a shooter, Jalen Brown, who is a shooter, and as they penetrate, their other shooters create. When you got a center or a damn close to center and Al Horford shooting threes, there's a problem with that. So we have not won anything. We have not gained anything. We have not locked in anything. Our play of late has been atrocious in terms of the defense consistently. We have a very big problem, like we've always had all, all season, defending the damn perimeter and the three. But now it seems like that we're laxing on defense because we used to be a little bit more on them. But now if you look, a lot of the team is giving them a little bit of space to make a three a little bit easier. Or they're open because they're in the damn corner and we know the Knicks are not rotating to the corners. They're protecting the paint because that's what they do. They're a dominant defensive uh, paint unit. When they're in there, they're one of the top teams that defend the paint. So we have to understand that. That's what Tom Thibodeau likes to do. The game is updated and changed. If you cannot guard the three or you cannot do it consistently, you're going to lose. Especially in the playoffs, especially against the top teams. You need to play man-on-man -man defense. You need to get up on them and you need to lock in. That's it. Now you can tell me we were out our best player. That's fine. I can, I can hear that. But there are certain teams you should be able to beat without your best player playing. A Jalen Brunson-less Knicks team should beat the fucking Magic. Okay? They should beat the damn Magic. We shouldn't get blown up by the damn Timberwolves who dropped 140-something points on us. Defense is a struggle and problem right now. I don't know why. But we need to get in front of this and ahead of this. We need to lock in. We need to understand the vision, folks. Where are we headed? Where is the ultimate goal that you guys want? Because for me, it's playoff round two. And then God knows where else we go. And in order to do that, you have to see the Cavs in the first round. It's a must. The Knicks are not getting get out of the first round if they see any other team but the Cavs. And even the Cavs isn't a locker guarantee. But the Cavs gives you the best chance to win and get out of that first round and go to the second round.
it's just really frustrating guys when you devote time you invest your energy and your passion into this team you know you watch every game you're part of the team you feel that that love that passion and then you see them stop playing defense you see them leave the corners open you see them give guys like Torian Prince career nights against us it's disgusting it's nasty work it makes me feel like the Knicks can't get it together in the moments that matter the most. And if you can't do it against these lowly teams, we're not really playing for anything. Then how are we going to do it in the postseason when everybody's playing for everything? And this is where I put it on the leaders on this team, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. They both got to be better. And I'm going to say this right now. Jalen Brunson... Love him to death. He needs to get R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle involved in the first quarter more often. Way more often. If you get those two going and they're locked in and focused the entire game, because Jalen Brunson going to give you whatever he's going to give you. He could do it whenever he wants to. Let's, get, let's not get that twisted, okay? He's a bucket. A walking six-foot-one bucket. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about Randle and R.J., though. And if you get those two going early, it can change the whole game. But coaching. You know what I just described to you guys? You know what I just told you? It was an adjustment. It's understanding who you're playing, understanding who you got in your lineup, and understanding what works for those players. Who, who's supposed to do that? Who, who's supposed to make sure the team is Focused, ready, locked in, accountable. It's Thibs. It's fucking Thibs. And I got people on my fucking timeline telling me to blame the player because it's not the coach. Do you hear yourself? Do, do, you, do you fucking hear yourself? So coaching doesn't matter? Holding players accountable doesn't matter? And you know we're going to get into it. We have to, right? Julius Randle. Talk about accountability. The last few games, he has been showing that disgusting, nasty attitude that we saw last year. And you can see it during moments, and sometimes it's not as demonstrative as the IQ situation was, where he basically yelled in his face and said, leave me alone. Like, who are you, bro? And IQ, the young and the rookie, trying to help his, his vet, his leader out, and gets stomped on because of it in public. You do that shit in the locker room, Randall. You do not put that man down in the media's eye on the fucking court. You don't do that. Because guess what happens now? Now the fucking media got to ask him questions about it. Got to ask you questions about it. Got to have articles written about it. Why? Because you couldn't keep your attitude in check? You got to get Johnny Bryant running to you every fucking time so you can keep your attitude in check? You have to have another all-star. I don't give a fuck if the NBA acknowledges it. Jalen Brunson is an all-star. 
You need another all-star on this team to control you and your attitude? You need somebody to keep you and all-star power forward in check? I don't want to trade Randall, okay? But I am disgusted and disappointed in what I'm seeing from him. He's a leader on this team, and he needs to be better than that. In the 90s, we could see things like that. And sure, we saw it. It made sense. But guess what? We're not in the 90s anymore. The media and public perception matters. It changes and alters things. They write different stories for clickbait now. It's not like they didn't do it before, but it's way more prominent now because there's way more avenues to get that media in front of you. It's a different wave. We know this. That's why accountability, doing things in private, in the locker room, matter. And what happened on that court wasn't basketball. It wasn't professional, and it was not needed. We, you got a tech, right? Right, Randall? You got a tech? So we lost a point because of that, right? And that's what IQ was trying to stop you from doing. We got to be better than that. Going back to Tom Thibodeau, hold your players accountable. I don't care how much they're getting paid. I don't care what they mean to the team. I don't care what position they play. I don't care what they do or who they are for this team. You hold each and every single player accountable. From the centers, to the point guards, to the bench people, everyone. You hold them accountable. Because if you don't, you create a culture that is seen as toxic. That is seen as political and not basketball. Do those words ring a little bit true to some of y'all? Do you feel like you've heard it before? Want to know why? That's what Cam Reddish said when asked about his Knicks time in the first interview that he was able to give about it. Wasn't about basketball, about politics. When you don't hold players accountable, guess what it creates? Politics. And if your leader does that, what do you think the young rookies are looking at and seeing? What do you think they are learning? So you want everybody to argue with the ref? Randall, you're not going to get every call, my guy. It's not possible, all right? No matter how great you are, even the greatest of the greats almost don't get all the calls. So why would you expect yourself to? And I have no problem with you arguing the call or talking about the call, but you go up to these refs like you're about to knock somebody out. And when you do that, you're, they're not going to listen to you. And if you have a culture or you demonstrate that you always do that, they're never going to give you the opportunity to talk. You got to change. And that needs to happen ASAP. Because if this Randall brings himself to the playoffs, it doesn't matter who we face. We're going to lose. Fix it. Change it. Handle it. Let's go to another player that's uh, come out in the media recently, uh, Mitchell Robinson. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Mitchell Robinson was very frustrated at one point about being involved in the offense. He wanted to be more involved in the offense. That's basically what he said. Unfortunately, us as Nick fans, we some of us are against it. Some people are for it. I've been a one, a big proponent of Robinson being more involved in the offense. If you have him as a pick and roll threat, not a lob threat, a pick and roll threat, and a serious pick and roll threat. Because when Robinson rolls sometimes, he doesn't have that conviction when he rolls. And it's probably knows because he's not getting the ball. He's just being used as a filler to have Brunson or one of the drivers going in and getting the, getting the bucket. 
But if you continuously do that, then it doesn't matter what he does. And at some point, it's going to start being four on five on, on offense. And it's at some points in the game, it looks like it is. And it can't be that way. Everybody needs to touch the ball. Everybody needs to hold that ball. And everybody should be getting their shots if they're open and ready. If Mitch is rolling and a small body's on him, guess who I'm giving the ball to? The monster who's rolling right now in Mitch. So Mitchell Robinson should absolutely be used more in, uh, in offensive schemes. That's a Tom Thibodeau thing. You're not going to probably see it, unfortunately. But do I want to see it? Yeah, because he deserves it. I think he can show us a little bit of something in terms of his rolling ability. I think he can, you know, set better screens. He's not a great screener right now, but he can set better screens. His footwork needs work, obviously. But he has the tools. He has everything there to do it. He just needs to continue to do it during games. And we need to allow him to do that. If we make him a threat like that, any penetrator has an open lane. And if they got an open lane, there's probably a shooter in the corner open. It makes sense. It helps the team. But again, that's a Tom Thibodeau thing. But just going back to Mitch, after he mentioned that, his play started getting a little bit lackluster. He wasn't as engaged, wasn't as um, defensively, you know, attentive to a lot of things going on in the court and just got a lot of silly fouls. And even after the game, he was saying uh, in, a, in a post, I think, to uh, Knicks Fan TV, basically that his mental isn't right. He's going through some things and he knows he needs to do better. He knows he needs to be better. And he needs to be the defensive anchor that we've known him to be. So whether, or, I, know, I don't know if anybody asked him to do that or not, but in a way, that's him accepting accountability. And that's him saying that he needs to do better. I Heart did that early in the season as well, too. And look what happened to his game. I respect Mitch 100% for sharing what he was going through. He didn't have to do that. And also acknowledge the fact that he's not been playing well and needs to do better. And I agree. And that's what you need to do. Where's Randall's statement? How come IQ dropped the statement, but Randall can't drop one? I don't care if it's been handled in the locker room. Public perception matters. You can't write a five-minute Twitter, Instagram, whatever post on just being better and holding yourself more accountable. You can't do that? Come on, man. That's what it's about. All right, to close out, we're going to look at the Houston versus Knicks matchup tomorrow, March 27th at 7.30 uh, p.m. It's going to be on MSG Networks. It's going to be the Knicks versus uh, the Houston Rockets. Right now, the Houston Rockets are at the bottom of the barrel. They're one of the worst teams in the league. The Knicks are fifth place in the East, so one of the better teams in the league. Right now, this matchup against the Houston Rockets and the New York Knicks, obviously important for the Knicks, not so important for Houston, but Houston's going to come to play. Sengun, he's going to go off if we don't stop him and control him. Jalen Green, another one who can go off. You know, there are some people that we don't have the luxury of being able to kind of step back on. Whether the record shows it or not, Houston has been pretty competitive this year. I'm not saying they haven't get blown out. They definitely have been. But a lot of the games that they were supposed to get blown out with, they actually made it competitive. They held their own, kept themselves in the game. So it's not like every team is going there and steamrolling them. That's not happening. They play good basketball. Sangoon is a very, very, very good player for them. I think I saw him take it coast to coast um, on a possession uh, during a game, uh, I think, a couple of days ago. Coast to coast. 
And, you know, in terms of offensive rebounding, they're a pretty good team with that as well, too. Sangoon is, is very, very good at that. Now, I think he's going to have trouble doing that against, you know, our bigs. But, you know, not, we can't knock his talent and what he brings. That entire team is young. They're hungry. They want to showcase. They want to show out. You know, when people play the Knicks, they always want to add that little bit of, you know, touch of flair to their game to just go off. Because teams like to go off against the Knicks. And sometimes the Knicks allow it. The Knicks can't allow it against Houston. I don't know what Jalen Brunson's status is for that game tomorrow. But if Jalen Brunson does not play, it doesn't matter. Randall couldn't play, and it wouldn't matter. The Knicks have more talent on this team to beat the Houston Rockets with both of their, their best players potentially being out. Now, I'm not saying Randall's going to be out because he's been playing every game. Obviously, he's probably going to be playing the, the Houston game. But my point is, if they both were out, I would still pick the Knicks to beat the Rockets. Since that's the case, and we don't know Jalen Brunson's status, but we know Julius Randle's going to be playing, I expect the Knicks to beat the Houston Rockets, snap this three-game winning streak. Uh, excuse me. I expect the Knicks to beat the Houston Rockets, snap this three-game losing streak, and start a winning streak for the final seven games. So we can go into playoffs with momentum. We desperately need some momentum. Do not sleep on this Rockets team thinking that they're going to be an easy walkover game. Were the Timberwolves an easy walkover game? And they have nobody besides Gobert? What about the Magic game? Were the Magic great and amazing? Pablo Banchero is a great player, but do the Knicks... That have enough talent to beat the Magic? Like I said, sometimes, regardless of who we think is going to win based off of talent, sometimes it doesn't happen. Do you know how you lock in a victory? By stomping on this team as soon as the tip hits. That's how you destroy a team. That's how you take a soul away from a team and let them know you ain't on our level. It's our time. We need this W and we're going to get it. And that's it. And the Knicks need to come out tomorrow and make a statement that moving forward, not only are we focused and locked in, but we are going to start stomping or at least trying to stomp on every team in front of us and play lockdown, physical defense, pass the ball with that ball movement, penetrate, create, pass out, whatever we need to do to make sure we get the easiest chance to make that bucket and then play defense on the other end, get another stop, maybe get a fast break. But this is the things that we need to do. This game is not an easy folded shut case. Houston, I need the Knicks to beat them. Because God only knows what will happen to Knicks Twitter and the Knicks all over the world, all the fans all over the world, if they fucking lose to the Houston Rockets. I don't even want to, I won't even want to open any apps if they lose to Houston. That's how bad and toxic it would be. Please, New York, get this W against Houston. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today. I really appreciate each and every one of you rocking with me and all the support and love that I'm receiving on social media. 
the graphics I do, for the videos I do, for the additional content I do. I see you guys. I hear you guys. And I really, really appreciate you guys. It's hard to do this each and every day, each and every week, and you know, put your time, energy, and invest in it. But I love it. And I love basketball. And I love the Knicks. So that's why I do it. But I also love giving you guys content to enjoy and to consume. And I appreciate you guys allowing me to do that. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Until next time, Nick fans. Peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.